0: And we are back on The Chosen Journey with Steve Carsey. Steve, welcome back, my friend. How's your week been?
1: It's been great. Good to see you again. Uh, a lot of baseball
0: going on
1: and, and a lot of stuff, uh, you know, it's fun to watch uh, in, in these series.
0: How are the uh, Thunderdogs doing?
1: The Thunderdogs are having a little bit of a rough go. Uh, we haven't really played well. Uh, early in the season but that's okay you know, the young men are still competing very hard and uh you know playing well we got rained out this past sunday but uh <clears throat> overall uh you know as tough as it's been uh it's been very rewarding to to watch the boys compete
0: well that's great to hear and it's funny as a segue there's always seems to be segues uh talking about teams that uh, have fun and play hard but uh, and compete but don't always get the results That's the theme of today's episode. Now, I'm going to let some teams have a bye here, if that's okay with you. The Rays, you know, the Mariners, I don't think we expected them to finish in the Final Four. I think their fans were thrilled to see them make the playoffs. They obviously wanted to see them go farther. But it's not like there's going to be a huge amount of disappointment. You know, the Guardians came that close to taking the Yanks. We actually thought they were going to do it. They did not, but it's not a huge surprise. Like, I think all their fans can hold their head up high and say, hey, you know what? From all the other teams in baseball, we made it, and we made it as far as we did. Uh, But there are teams that are not so happy right now, and there's a few of them in in that category, and in no particular order. I I thought it'd be interesting to take a look back, you having watched a season as you did, thinking – What went right and then what went wrong? You know, is it just bad luck or was it the fate against them or they just faced a better team? And first and foremost, I want to lump them together is that terrible but strong NL East and it's the Braves and the Mets. Now they were neck and neck right to the end of the year and one was going to get a bye and one had to face in the wild card. And both of them got shellacked and are not in the final four. Steve, how is this possible? You know the defending World Series champs, the Mets being as strong as they were with their embarrassment of riches for starting pitchers, they seem to be firing on all cylinders. Going with each of these teams, why are they not in the final four right now?
1: Well, it's baseball, right? Like we've always discussed. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to play the game on paper and see stats and see it. Uh, But there's a human element to the game. And when the games start in the postseason, uh, it's anybody's game. Uh, You know, I think, uh, you know, just watching the the Mets when they played San Diego, San Diego pitched really well. Uh, The bullpen didn't give up anything. So if the Mets didn't jump out and hold a lead, you know, that that was that was part of, you know, maybe the formula uh, to beat the Mets. You know, Scherzer. Uh, you know, you expected him to have a a great game one, right? Um, You know, San Diego came out and put it on him uh, and and got out. And once you do that to a team like the Mets, especially if you're San Diego, uh, you know, you gain a lot of confidence and you're like, hey, man, we just beat one of the best starting pitchers in all of baseball. And now uh, we have confidence. So, you know, I, I think the Mets just ran into a buzzsaw. I think uh, the Padres were pitching really well at the time. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and beat them and, and, and knock them out. Um, you know, I think Seattle was very similar uh, with, with the Blue Jays. I think Seattle came into it. You know, they had a great game one. Um, you know, and then that game, that game two, where they, where they came back, right? Or oh, game three. Where they came back and scored all of those runs when, when the blue Jays felt like they had that game, uh, you know, it was incredible turnaround. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just one of those things in baseball is uh, the regular season is great, but if you're turning the page, when you go into October and you get off to a hot start and a good start, then uh, that can roll you and, and help you uh, on your bid to go get a world
0: championship. Now, Explain to the layman baseball fan how this kind of works because not all of us get it. But you follow a formula for 162 games. You know your starting pitchers going X amount of pitches or X amount of innings. You have your people with your defined roles. All of a sudden the playoffs come to like you know what? This all worked with us all year, but you know what? I'm gonna bring my ninth inning guy in the seventh and see if he can pitch two two and a half innings. And I this one starting pitcher. You know what? He's not going for a couple of days. I'll bring him an emergency in the eighth inning and tends to fail more than succeed. Why do managers all of a sudden, all of a sudden gamble when they know they've had the formula the whole time? It's like that guy playing roulette or a woman playing roulette and has their system. And as they're up a bit, they're like, you know what? I'll deviate the system because it's going to work. Why don't they stick to the formula, Steve?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think now more, Then in the past, front offices get more involved. They're in front of the computer with analytics. The numbers are starting to dictate a little bit more of how you can script the game. Uh, Unfortunately, scripting a game, you just don't know how that player is going to react or what you're going to get in uh, a certain player when the game starts. I mean, I think in the Mets series, right, you thought Scherzo could go six or seven innings. Uh, That didn't go so well. Um, You know, so... You can't take away the human element in the game of how a player is going to do. You can try to have a plan, in my opinion, going into the game and then deviate from that plan if you need to. Uh, but just to follow the numbers and, and just to follow the analytical information uh, is, is really tough to do, especially like you said, when you had that uh, really good formula during the regular season on where guys need to pitch and where guys are comfortable pitching and, and what their job is to uh, help the team win.
0: And look at the Jays and Romano, you know, is one of the top clubs in baseball. We'll talk about that next week, but uh, playoffs, you never know, you know, look at even Verlander's ERA in the playoffs hasn't been that great till now. Uh, but again, now these teams that had high hopes, now they got to go and reassess going into the off season and taking it inside the Mets for one moment, the Jays and the Braves, for example, I think are both well-constructed, nice mix, Let's just take aside free agency right now. If you could trot out both of those rosters exactly the way they are, I think you're doing it. I don't. I don't think the playoffs exposed any particular holes or weaknesses. It's just both teams just didn't seem to go their way.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. It didn't go their way. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more information
0: when you go into
1: a three game series of of how you're going to pitch a certain team. Um, you know, during that series, uh, and it's it's a lot more detailed than maybe what it would be during the regular season. You know, you, you have so many games against these teams during the regular season. Uh, you know, it's going to sway one way or another. But in a three-game series, you really have a plan of attack going in there. And if you're able to execute that plan, uh, you're going to be better off than not.
0: Is John Schneider back with the Jays in your estimation?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think uh, he's going anywhere. I think uh, he's had those guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think what he did, uh, you know, this year and, and getting them, um, you know, it's an experience thing too, right? I mean, uh, the more you play and and the more you gain that experience in the playoffs, the better off you're going to be in the future. So I think he comes back. I think there's uh, you know, uh, he's well-respected. And I think that uh, he gets the
0: opportunity to lead that ball club again. When the decisions go well, you're a genius. And if they don't, you're an idiot, you know, that seems to be baseball. The Yankees changed their starting pitcher because of the, uh, the rain the day before and uh, Aaron Boone, I think saved his job. You know, that's the, uh, the, the talk now, no matter what happens now in the playoffs, he made it to the final four. He's back next year. If they get bounced probably out, you know, it's, it's a funny game that way, but you've always said that it's easier to change one guy than change 25. And that's the logic there. And I think the Phillies, I I respect Girardi. I think he's uh, shown to be a great baseball guy. They brought him in for a reason, but for whatever the mixed and go, and Robbie Thompson's in there, and they seem to be gelling for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you, sometimes when you get a different voice in the clubhouse uh, with with players, uh, the chemistry is is important. Um, you know, I, I obviously am not inside in any of these clubhouses uh, and and don't know like what the, the chemistry is, but uh, you know, when when you see a change made like that, and then you see a team start to take off. Uh, there's something to be said about that. You know, I, I know Robbie, uh, you know, is, is fairly laid back. Uh, you know, he's a, a player's manager and the players really like him. Uh, he's never had an opportunity to be a manager prior to, um, you know, getting the intern job and now ultimately signing a two-year deal and uh, becoming the uh, the Phillies manager for the next couple of years. I think he's done a tremendous job. And uh, like I said, I, I just think the the change – uh and and the voice in the clubhouse sometimes makes a big difference uh, on a team that's struggling.
0: I think Thompson and Schneider both have that appearance of those baseball lifer guys, you know, coached to all ranks, always have their eye in the game, their nose in the game, always talking to the players, you know, you'd love to see that. Those guys that put put in their dues and get get the rewards. Um a guy that has had a lot of success, but they say this despite of himself not because of is the Dodgers, and Dave Roberts is going to come back. They said fans are up in arms over that, saying the Dodgers should have won a 1,000 World Series by now. Um, look at our payroll. Look at our talent. What the heck happened in La La Land this year, Steve?
1: Yeah, well, in L.A., I think uh, as, as well as they did in winning 111 games, uh, really rolling through that season, health played a little bit of a part in that. Um, And then again, like we just talked about a little bit earlier, I think the formula in the playoffs for them maybe is not uh, as well regarded after losing this past series is is what they thought Um, using the analytical information is great. But, you know, when when you have a guy that has five shutout innings and uh, a pitch count in the mid 70s uh, and you pull him to get to your bullpen, you got to rely on four guys to have their, their best days. If one guy, if one guy throws a wrench in the program because he's not on or he doesn't have his best stuff that day, you saw what, what can happen Uh, as opposed to a guy who has, has a rhythm in the game uh, has pitched five shutout innings. It almost feels to me like the game yesterday uh, when I'm, when I'm watching uh, you know, the, the Phillies and, and San Diego, would you ever take Zach Wheeler out after five innings when he's given up one hit through five? No, you ride him as long as you can. And he went seven innings. He got you deeper in the game and you got to use your two best arms at the back end. And maybe if the Dodgers let Anderson throw a couple more innings, maybe they're in a different situation with some of the guys that they could use at their back end. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, that's the plan that they went in there with. And that's what they have to live with. And maybe they'll change it in the future. Uh, if they're in that position, maybe they won't, but time will tell.
0: And, and like you're saying, how many games he won them this year, you know, it's hard to ignore that. And uh, is it the body of work in the regular season, the body of work in the playoffs, is it both? All I'll say is this much uh, with that payroll and the expectations, he's got to have a short leash, like any hint of any, not winning the world series. Like it's basically going to be world series or bust. Like if he does not win the series next year, I think he's gone. unfortunately, and very respected guy the players love playing for him he's has a very good reputation in general just LA Dodgers fans need to vent onto somebody so he's going to receive it and the other time I'm thinking of is was my world series pick i said the team of destiny this year was going to be the St. Louis Cardinals and they bowed out very quickly and uh, they it just seems like somebody took a pin and deflated the balloon and the magic was just gone like Aaron judge, you know, everybody was so in love with the home run chase and we were so obsessed with it. the playoff start and they were booing him all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, it like blew my mind. And Albert pools, this like fantastic story and legends and, you know, 700 home runs and, um, quietly just went home and just like, he had his bag packed at the Sheridan and he was ready to go. And same thing with, uh, with Molina. And it was just, it was done. And, uh, we expect, we, we expect so much out of them, and at some point, Steve, you know, speaking as a, as a former player, when you're chasing any kind of personal milestones or you, you're on a, such a high adrenaline, at some point, you get tired, right? You, you can't go 120 all the time.
1: Yeah, you know, it, mentally, it's a grind. It really is. I mean, that's why guys need breaks at some point and just have a day off to kind of recharge and 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 refresh um you know and that's and that's what the built in off days are for but when you play 162 games your your mind is going all the time you have to be able to make adjustments you have to be able to figure out what's wrong with your swing on the offensive side or your mechanics uh if you're a pitcher uh you know defensively is is pretty straight across the board is you take your ground balls every day and and your defensive metrics are what they are but uh, you know, hitting is such a feel as pitching. It's ups and downs, and it's the guys that are who are most consistent. And you're not going to be able to square up the ball and hit the ball, uh, you know, the way you want over the course of 162 games. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so um, for the guys who are able to handle the mental side of the game uh, at a faster pace, they're the ones that, that are better off and, and get out of those slumps a little bit quicker.
0: And so with finishing up on the Dodgers, uh, we were talking about the cards now, but just finishing up on the Dodgers and uh, I assume no real wholesale changes. They're going to try out the same, the same lineup, the same roster as much as they can with the amount of wins they had in the regular season and kind of try it again, you would say?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's a couple free agents there. Trey Turner's a free agent. Are they going to bring him back or not at shortstop? There's a couple other guys out there that they might have interest in. Uh, Justin Turner, I think they got an option on his contract. Uh, Do they want to pay him uh, that much money or do they want to slide somebody else in that's a little bit cheaper to control payroll costs? Uh, But they are the Dodgers, right? They have enough money. They can do what they want. Um, And I just think that – Maybe they've learned a lesson about bolstering their pitching staff and and just being a little bit deeper um, you know throughout the year and, and able to kind of fill in guys uh, when needed if some
0: injuries occur and we will talk about the bullpen we will get to that uh, next week, I promise and uh they're definitely one one team that I thought about a lot and how much their bullpen affects and it seems like it's almost like Having that that rock at the end of your bullpen, it just gives people confidence. It, that's the perception, at least, when you when you have a Class A in there and you're the Guardians, you feel like I get to the ninth, I'm winning that game. You know, there's a nice high feeling for that. The the cards though, they're gonna have a very different look this year going into 2023 because the two cornerstones are gonna retire. They're gonna be gone. Molina won't be in that in that uh, clubhouse anymore. Pulis was back, now he's gone. This is Goldschmidt's team. This is Arenado's team. Uh, a very different feeling in St. Louis. Uh, you know, fans thought that they had committed highway robbery. I thought they committed highway robbery with the uh, when Montgomery was pitching like Cy Young there for a couple of days. And Bader has shown why Cashman and the Yanks know what they're doing. And they are celebrating him in the streets. He's been a rock for them in center field. He's hit key home runs. Like, it's just been amazing to watch. So for St. Louis's perspective now... Going into you're like, okay, Montgomery is great for us, but he was human. And, man, how good would Bader look in our lineup again? So now we don't have Bader, we don't have Pujols, we don't have Molina. How much retooling do you think St. Louis has to do, or do you think the core is still there in your estimation?
1: I think the core is still there. I mean, they, they got the decision on Wainwright, if Wainwright's coming back or not uh, on that staff. But, you know, they, they have Quintana, they have uh, Montgomery, they have some of these young guys. Uh, Flaherty, if he's healthy coming back next year, see where he's at. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think they're in a good spot. They they still have flexibility in their payroll to, to be able to do some things and and fill some holes. Uh, Helsley, uh, really good at the back end, had a tremendous year this year. Uh, Gallegos setting up, you know, they have a ton of guys that uh, are, are cornerstones. And, and now I think they just need to fill in the pieces of, of where they feel Like they they need to improve.
0: So I think the the one team which I thought was going to go a lot farther than they were uh, because of their pitching staff were the Mets. And they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. I mean, almost their whole starting staff is a free agent this year. And they have an owner with deep pockets who says that he wants to invest and will do whatever it takes. But I I don't know if everybody's coming back, Steve. And uh, compared to the Braves who have their core intact, I think the Mets have some work to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, The Mets definitely have some work to do. I I think, again, you know, the pitching staff is going to be the the, the biggest question mark, right? I mean, Diaz is a free agent. Um, You know, uh, DeGrom is is one who's probably going to market. Um, You know, obviously, uh, there's a lot of factors in that and where he's going to go. But uh, you know, I think Tajon Walker is, is free to Free to leave if he wants be a free agency. Uh, Scherzer's going to be there, um, you know, and and a couple of other guys. I think Carrasco's
0: a free agent as well. I think they're all. I think so too. Yeah. So
1: I think I I they got question marks. There's no doubt about that. Uh, They're a very good team. I think uh, Nemo. I mean, he's a big part of that team. That he's going to be a free agent as well. So uh, lots of questions. Some answers we'll get to uh, as as the off goes on after the World Series, but uh, you know the Braves are one team in that division that has locked up a lot of their young core players. The only the only the only player in in Atlanta is Swanson that they might have to uh, try to uh, re sign and and keep to that core. But uh, you know I think the Braves are in a much better position right now
0: than than the Mets. Well, our sources are telling us that Texas has a bunch of people parked outside Kershaw and Degrom's homes. And they're just waiting patiently to the free agency period to start. And then at 1201, they're going to be knocking on the door. So there's going to be a few guys that are going to be cashing in this offseason big time. And uh, fans of those cities are asking if they come back to us. You know, with Kershaw, it's an interesting one because, you know, he lives just outside the stadium there in Texas. And does he go home, be close to his family? Or does he play with the only team that he ever knows? You know, th- that's one I-, I wanted to ask you. Without knowing him or knowing his situation, if you're a betting man, as I have an idea of where I think he's going, you see him going back to the Dodgers or is he going to play a final season close to home?
1: He goes back to the Dodgers. There's something to be said about playing for one team your whole career. And at the very end, uh, it, it's not about money at this point. He's made enough money in his career that he doesn't need a team like Texas to outbid the Dodgers for 3 or $4 million. Uh, it is a lot of money, don't get me wrong. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, what he has earned and what his stature is in Dodger lore will always be there, and I think <clears throat> at the end of the day he will finish his career with the Dodgers and uh and and hang hang him up in Dodger blue.
0: I agree a thousand percent with you. That's where I see it going on so many levels. There's this mystique and allure about being with one team for those guys. You know the Robin Younts, the Cal Ripkins of this world, and it's it's just there's something special about it. And when it comes time to go to Cooperstown, there's only one hat to wear. I love that. Uh, but, you know, and especially in this day and age, we're going to see that less and less and less with the age of free agency and, you know, service time and payrolls and the salary caps and penalties. Those all dig into it, but uh, definitely would like to see him end his career, same way Molina did with the cards. Uh, but I do see him coming back for one more year, for sure. DeGrom, I, I don't know. I, uh, I I don't really have a read on it. Only he knows on that one. And, To me, there's a thing as far as do you love playing for the Mets? Do you love New York? Is that your thing? Is it about money? Uh, What drives you? And, you know, people don't, I think, realize that they always think it's just dollars or just the ballpark or just team. There's a lot more that goes into it, eh, Steve?
1: There is definitely a lot more that goes into it. I think he's comfortable where he's at in New York. I think he's been there his whole career as well, right? So, um, you know... He deserves to be paid like one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball uh, on AAV. And if I was a betting man and guessing where Grom would end up, I think he's going to end up back with the Mets. He's going to finish his career with the Mets. And he will end up getting somewhere in the range of three years and $150 million.
0: When Wheeler's gone, when Syndergaard left, I think that became his de facto team. And you can speak of this when a fr- big free agent and an experienced veteran like Scherzer shows up, is it such a thing as it's Scherzer's team, it's DeGrom's team, or does it not really work that way?
1: It doesn't really work that way. Everybody in the clubhouse, everybody uh, in the stadium knows who's, whose team it is um, at the end of the day. It's really hard as as good of a player as Scherzer is or, or anybody. Uh, it's Corey Seager, same thing, right? Uh, all that money that he got from texas like uh, and it maybe is his team because he's you know there isn't anybody in texas that is kind of that guy anymore uh, but you just don't walk into a, another team after you haven't been there no matter how much money you're making and, and, and saying yeah, it's my team you have to earn the respect of the other players in the clubhouse uh no matter how good you are um, and and at the end of the day i just think that you know, he wants to be on a on a team that is going to win and talking about Scherzer, whether he's, you know, the cornerstone of that team or or not.
0: Well, I think this is a great place to pause because next week we're gonna be talking about the player carousel that is called the closer. You know, in the age of holds and all sorts of stats, there's still something sexy about those saves and those closers. We'll talk about the top closers of baseball in 2022 when we return. So Steve, always a pleasure, my friend, and thank you very much for those insights. And let's see how many of our predictions come true come spring training.
1: Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun watching it. Uh, Great to be with you as always and looking forward to the next episode.
0: Sounds great. Thank you.